Thank you again, my brother. What a sweet, sweet spirit to be in this place today. Thank you for those songs, how powerful they are. Take your Bibles again tonight, and I want you to turn them with me to John chapter 10, and we're going to continue where we left off this morning. I want to read to you again our text from John chapter 10 and verse number 10. We are right in the middle of a series of sermons on the abundant life that Christ offers. And that's exactly what he offers here in this 10th verse in John chapter 10. He tells us two things. This verse is packed full of truth. First of all, he tells us the purpose of the enemy, the, um, what the thief has come to do. Listen to what he says. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now we know the thief to be, again, our enemy to be Satan himself. And Jesus says that Satan has come for no other reason than to steal, to kill, and to destroy. If you believe that, child of God, say amen to that. Absolutely. We need to understand that. We need to know that. We have an enemy who has a job to do, and he does his job well. He's been doing it for over 6,000 years. And the Bible says he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy in my life. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy in my ministry. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy in your ministry. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy in our church. Now, we need to understand that. We need to be on guard for that. We need to listen to what Jesus says concerning the attack of the enemy because we know, according to the words of Jesus, Satan is doing everything he can to tear down what God has done, what God is doing, and what God wants to do. He's a thief. He came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, if all we had of John chapter 10 and verse 10 is, is the first part here, that would be um, pretty sad. It really would. But I'm so thankful we have the second part to this verse. Listen to what Jesus said. I love this. I am come. Watch what he tells us. That they might have life and they might have life more abundant. How many of you know, according to this 10th verse right here in John chapter 10, Jesus is offering abundant life to all who receive him. I'm so thankful for that. I told you I was going to give you five keys to abundant living. Now, there's probably more than five keys to abundant living, but I know there's five that I've found in the Word of God. The first one being you having a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. We need to talk about one word here before we move on any further in this 10th verse. The word they. Who are the they's? Uh, who are the ones who receive this abundant life? Well, I think the best commentary, I don't think, I know the best commentary on the Word of God is the Word of God itself. So who are the they's that are speak, being spoken of in John chapter 10, verse 10? Well, if we flip back to John chapter 1 and verse 12, I think the Bible has that answer for us. That's what it says. John 1, 12. But as many as received Him, received who? Received Jesus. But as many as received Jesus, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Who are the days in John chapter 10, verse 10, that receives abundant life? Well, they're the ones that receive Jesus. Amen? They're the ones who have a personal relationship with him. Now, that's something that we've got to talk about and answer for ourselves first and foremost. Do you know Jesus personally? Do you have a personal relationship with him and know that you have been born again into the family of God? Do you know there's been a time in your life 
when he made a difference on the inside, that is continually making a difference on the outside. That's number one, above everything else. Without us knowing that, we certainly cannot receive the abundant life Jesus offers. It's impossible to receive the abundant life Jesus offers if you don't know Jesus yourself in a personal way. I want to quote one of our members. Miss Tammy, I hope you don't mind, but... Um, um, if you do, I'm sorry, I've already planned it. <laughs> so, so we're going to go on with it. I'd rather, uh, sometimes I guess it's better to give for, get forgiveness than to, uh, than to ask permission. So we're going we're gonna to try it tonight anyway. She said something in a Facebook post two weeks ago, and it just blessed my soul. I felt like shouting when I saw what she wrote. She asked a question, are you changed from within? Or do you only know Jesus in a vague Sunday school way? That's a good question. That's a question that we all need to answer for ourselves. Do you really know Jesus? Do you know that you know that you've been born again? That's the first step to abundant living. Now then, I don't know about you, but in my own personal walk with Christ, I found it uh, to be true that even though I know I've been born again, I know that I have trusted in Christ and that there's, he's made a difference on the inside that's truly making a difference on the outside. I know that's took place with me. Uh, but I find in my own personal walk with Jesus, and maybe you do too, that from time to time we still don't walk in the fullness that Jesus has purchased for us. We're still not walking in that kingdom life that the Apostle Paul spoke of in Romans chapter 14 and verse number 17. He said kingdom life looks something like this. It's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. Now, if we are walking in abundant life, in kingdom life that Jesus is offering in John 10, 10, uh, then there's going to be some righteousness, there's going to be some peace, and there's going to be some joy. But let me tell you what happens many times. We forfeit the joy that Jesus gives. We forfeit the peace that Jesus has purchased all because we wallow in fear, in doubt, in discouragement, and worry. Can you say amen to that? All of us do. We do that from time to time and we forfeit the abundant life, the kingdom life that Jesus has purchased for all those who trusted in him. Listen to what the apostle Paul said. Not only do we need a personal relationship with Jesus, but we talked about the second key to abundant living this morning. We need a, to pray um, constantly, continually. We need to be persistent in our prayer life. Look with me in Philippians chapter 4. And look at verse number 6. We talked about this right before we closed this morning, but I wanted to finish up where we, where we left off, really. He said in Philippians 4 and 6, he said, Be careful for nothing, or don't worry about anything, is really what he's saying. And then he says in the last part of this verse, But in everything by prayer, everybody say prayer. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The Apostle Paul tells us as believers we ought to worry about nothing and pray about everything. But usually what we do, we worry about everything and pray about nothing. Amen? And because of that, we forfeit the peace that God has purchased through the Lord Jesus. We miss out on the joy that we can be living in day by day. Folks, we talked about this morning, there's power in prayer. If you believe there's power in prayer, say amen. There's power in prayer not because of who's praying, but because of who's answering. Amen. 
Because of who's hearing. And we said this morning that if you've placed your faith in Jesus and been born again into God's family, you are now an adopted child of God Himself. The sovereign God of the universe is your Heavenly Father. He's the one who can do all things. He's the one who loves you like nobody else loves you. And the God who loves you like nobody else loves you and has the power to do all things answers our prayer. The hand of God Almighty is moved when God's people choose to pray. There's power in you praying. Keep praying. We need to pray. We must pray. We have to pray. We said there's power in prayer and what a privilege it is to pray to our Heavenly Father. We get to talk to the God who stood on nothing and spoke into existence everything. We said that prayer ought to be a priority in our life. We oughtn't to wait to pray. Let's pray first and then let God do His work. Let God do the leading. Let's not make our plans and then pray that God blesses them. Let's let God lead God and direct us when we choose to pray first. Prayer ought to be our first priority. There ought to be some persistence in prayer. Jesus said to ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. And praise God, that door will be open unto you. We need to be a praying people. we got to be a praying people. Folks, if we're going to see the power of God move and work in our lives, we must pray. So we're going to answer the question tonight, how do we pray? We're going to talk this evening about prayer that prevails. Take your Bibles, turn over to the book of Luke. Luke chapter number 11. The disciples asked the Lord Jesus to teach them to pray. Let's just read these first four verses. I'm going to pray for you. Then we're going to talk about three things we see right here in these four verses. First of all, it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone that is indebted unto us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us pray this evening. Father God, teach us tonight to pray prayer that prevails. Lord, I'm asking you right now that you speak to each and every heart this evening and show us the importance of your people being a praying people. Lord, I pray tonight that uh, you speak to every heart and life in this place and do the work that only you can do. Lord, I can't touch hearts. I can't change lives. I can preach truth, but I can't impart truth. Holy Spirit, you must do that. And we're asking you now that you do your work among your people. In Jesus' mighty name, we do pray and for your sake. Amen and amen. When Jesus was praying and he finished, his disciples asked him to teach them to pray. Now every time I read this passage of scripture or the passage in Matthew that's very much like it, every time I see that, that sparks uh, my curiosity. As a preacher, I, I can see these disciples sitting and hearing Jesus preach and teach. And how many of you know 
Jesus was the greatest preacher who ever lived. If you don't believe me, you go read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and chapter 6. That's the greatest sermon in my estimation that's ever been preached. So Jesus is the greatest preacher that ever lived. Many believe, and I myself also believe, he's the greatest teacher that's ever lived. He taught in a way that people could understand. He taught many times in parables and made things so clear by the way he taught. He's the greatest miracle worker that ever was upon the face of the earth. He's the greatest healer that the world has ever seen. He's done things that nobody else has ever done. How many of you know he stood at the tomb of Lazarus and spoke him to come forth out of the grave and praise God he came forth out of the grave. He's the one who walked on water. He's the one who caused the blinded eyes to see, deaf ears to hear. He done all of these great works. But you know when it came to his disciples asking him to teach them something, they didn't say, Lord, teach us to preach, did they? They didn't say, teach us to teach. They didn't say, Lord, teach us to do all these great works that you are doing. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I thought many times, why is that? Well, let me tell you what I believe. I believe the disciples saw through the prayer of the Lord Jesus, he received power to do what he was doing in this earth. I believe they saw that was when he prayed and what happened after he prayed, they saw the importance and the power of prayer. And so they said, Lord, we want to pray like you're praying. Jesus All the time he walked upon the face of this earth in his three and a half years of ministry that he ministered, how many of you know he did nothing apart from the power of God the Father working in him and working through him? Now let me me say what I mean by that. We know that Jesus was the God-man. We know that he was so much God, it's like he wouldn't even man, but he was so much man, it's like he wouldn't even God. He was the God-man, the perfect uh, man, and how many of you know everything he did, he did through the power of prayer. You don't believe me? Look in the Word of God. Let me give you some scripture. In the book of John, chapter number 5, I'm going to ask you to turn over there with me. I want you to see this. It's very important. John chapter 5. Look down at verse number 14. The Bible says plainly, Afterward Jesus findeth him in the temple and said, Behold, thou art made whole. Watch what he says. Sin no more, lest a worst thing come unto thee. Verse number 17 says, But Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Does everybody see that? Jesus here is being led by his heavenly father in everything he does. He's led by his heavenly father so that he might go and fulfill the purpose of the father in this earth. He tells them many times in, in, in when he heals or when he performs a miracle. He says, the things that I'm doing, I'm not doing of myself. I'm doing it through the leadership, through the power of God. And it came to his life um, through prayer. Now, if Jesus, the God man, the perfect man needed to pray. How many of you know we certainly need to pray? Jesus not only came to be our Savior, but to be our example. And so we ought to look at his life and emulate what he did while he walked here upon this earth. In John chapter 14 and verse number 10, flip over there. Let me share with you something else. He said, Believest thou uh, that not that I am in my Father, and my Father's in me, and the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father which dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Everything Jesus did while he walked upon this earth was done by the power of his heavenly Father. 
and through the power of answered prayer. Now then, with Jesus, prayer is not merely a nicety, it's a necessity. Dr. Adrian Rogers wrote, it was not merely an opportunity, but prayer for Jesus was an obligation. Praise God, he prayed not just to pass the time, but to make a difference. Martin Luther, the great reformer of the church, listen what he said about prayer. He said, it is the business of tailors to make clothes, and it is the business of cobblers to make shoes. It is the business of Christians to pray. I want you to think about that just a moment. I love that, how he put that. It's the business of Christians to pray. See, most of us usually believe that uh, we, uh, we pray so that we might do the business. Amen? We pray so that we might preach the sermon. We pray so that we might teach the lesson. We pray so that we might do whatever act of ministry that we're doing for the Lord. But Luther said it like this. He said, the business is praying. That's where the, uh, the, the, the real business with the Lord and for the Lord is done. I love that. Um, the great uh, writer, Puritan writer Thomas Hooker, he said, prayer is my chief work. It is the means by which I do the rest of my work. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. We can do a lot, a lot of stuff without praying. But we can't do anything for the kingdom of God effectively without prayer. We must pray. We have to pray. It is through the prayers of the people of God, the power of God is released upon our situation. And so Jesus teaches his disciples and us to pray here in Luke chapter number 11. Look what he says, Luke chapter 11, verse number 2. The first thing we need to know about praying is we must realize who God is and reverence him. Look in the second verse. When ye pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven... Let me tell you what bothers me. Maybe it does you as well. It bothers me when I hear people talking to God um, like they're talking to the bag boy at Walmart. When, when they talk to God and they're telling God what to do, they're, they're giving God their plans. They're, they're speaking in a disrespectful manner to the God of the universe. They're not asking God to do what's necessary in accordance to His will. They're telling God what He needs to do. Folks, listen to me. God is not the man upstairs. He's the one who created men. We shouldn't refer to God as the man upstairs. We're to recognize and realize who He is and give Him reverence and honor Him. Can you say amen to that? It bothers me when people don't reverence God for who He is. He is the sovereign God of the universe, our God uh, that we call our Heavenly Father, and we are to show Him respect. Now then, does that mean we can't come boldly to Him? Absolutely not. We ought to come boldly to Him. Hebrews 4.16 says that we can come boldly to the, through, to the throne of grace. Now, we don't come in boldness, again, because of who we are or what we've done. But we can come boldly in that we are in Christ Jesus. And when we come before the Lord, the Lord no longer sees us in our sinful condition as the child of God. He sees us as being in Christ. He sees the righteousness of His Son. And so we can come before the Lord as adopted sons and daughters of God with the imputed righteousness of Christ upon us and we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We recognize, realize who God is and we reverence Him. First of all, because of where He is, His place. The Bible says, Our Father, 
which art in heaven. How many of you know God is still on the throne? Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Leaders are sitting in palaces tonight. Princes are in palaces. Presidents are, are in their place. And, and they feel like they have everything under their control. I want you to know, nothing happens in this world unless God says so. He is still in control. He is still on the throne. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what President Trump's going to do. I don't know what the leader of North Korea is going to do. I don't know what Iran's going to do. I don't know what's going to happen in this world. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know, praise God, who holds tomorrow. God is still in heaven and he's still on the throne. That's what the Bible says. Well, I recognize that. Realize because of his place, he has complete authority. The Bible says, the psalmist put it like this, the heavens are his throne and the earth is his footstool. God is the sovereign ruler of the universe. Not only would he see uh, by his place we ought to reverence him, but also because of his person. Jesus said, pray like this, hallowed be thy name. How many of you understand that God reveals who he is in his word by his name? We realize that the God in the Old Testament is called Elohim. Elohim is the all-powerful one. We recognize in the Old Testament, God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. We recognize in the Old Testament, we see God being called Jehovah Sidkenu, the God who is our righteousness. And we recognize because of His name, who His person is. For that, we reverence Him. He is the all-powerful one. He is the one who provides our every need. He is our righteousness. And without Him, we have no hope. We realize who He is and we reverence Him also because of His power. Look what the Bible says. Thy kingdom come. He is the King who is in control of His kingdom. Thy will be done. He has all power. Folks, when we come before the Lord in prayer, the first thing we ought to do is reverence Him. Make ourselves low, humble ourselves, and exalt Him through our prayer. Praise Him, for He's worthy of praise. Give thanks to Him. Can you say amen? Because He's worthy. He's the one who's done all good things for us. We realize who God is and reverence Him, first of all. Then we realize what we need and ask Him. Look there in verse number three. Give us day by day our daily bread. How do you know there's nothing wrong with you being dependent upon the Lord? Folks, we ought to be dependent upon the Lord. Without Him, we have nothing that we need. You say, oh, no, wait a minute, brother. I work hard for my money. For years I've worked hard for my money. Well, who gave you the job to work hard at? Who gave you the ability to produce wealth? Deuteronomy 8.18 says that God gives us the ability to produce wealth. So even though you may work hard at your job, and you should, it's God who gave you that job to provide for your family to begin with. We ought to be dependent upon Him because all good things come from Him. One of my favorite verses is James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variation 
or shadow of turning. Every good gift. Man, I've got so many good gifts. I've got two of them here with me tonight. Healthy babies. You don't know how, we don't realize how thankful we ought to be to have healthy kids and grandkids. Amen? Amen. Folks, there's a lot of people sitting in Children's Hospital in Birmingham right now tonight that wish they had healthy kids and healthy grandkids. That's a good gift. I, I went home this evening and, man, looked in my cabinet to find me something to snack on. And when I opened up the cabinet doors, food was just falling out. I had to watch and what was going to fall out and hit me on the feet. I open, I can open up the refrigerator and, man, that thing's just packed full. A lot of times we can't even shut the door for all the food that's packed in that thing. Do you know it's not like that everywhere? Listen, we are blessed beyond measure. People are starving all over the world. We're to be thankful and realize all that came from the Lord. It's okay to be dependent upon it. We ought to be asking for our daily bread. He's the one who gives it. Praise Him. Be thankful for the good gifts. Oh, but tonight I'm thankful for the perfect gift. How about you? My Bible says that my salvation is perfect. Let me tell you why. It's not based upon me. It's not based upon who I am or what I've done. It's based solely upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And he made it perfect. My relationship to God is perfect because of Jesus. Every good gift and every perfect gift I've got, God gave it to me. It's okay to be dependent upon him. We need to be dependent upon him. Listen, if not for him, we have nothing. Realize what we need and ask him for it. And then the last one, verse number four. Realize who we are and trust him to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. The Bible says, and forgive us our sins. Folks, that's a prayer that the child of God needs to pray every day. You've been around, there's a lot of people, a lot of people who claim to, to know Jesus who believe that just because they got saved, they, don't, they, they no longer have a problem with sin. You ever been around those folks? I have. Let me tell you something. They'll bless your heart. Let me say this. All of us are simply sinners saved by the grace of God. And because I'm still in this flesh, daily, daily, I fail God. I fail God in attitude. I fail God in action. I fail God in doing the things He told me not to do. I fail God in not doing the things He tells me I should do. Even though I've been uh, sanctified, even though I've been declared righteous because of faith in Jesus, daily I still have to ask the Lord to forgive me because I fail Him. Are you hearing me? And folks, we all need to ask for the forgiveness of sin. Amen. Daily. He says, forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that sins against us. How many of you know it's only by and through the power of God that we are able to extend the forgiveness to others? That God has extended unto us. That's hard, isn't it? 
Matter of fact, I'm going to go as far as to say that's absolutely impossible operating in the power of the flesh. We've got to have God's help to do that. I think that's why Jesus says pray like this. Pray that God forgives your sins, but also pray that you have the ability to forgive others who's wronged you. Because we need it. When we choose to withhold forgiveness for others, it hinders our walk with the Lord spiritually. Then he says in the last part of this verse, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Folks, all of us from time to time fall into the temptation of the enemy. It's not a sin to be tempted. We're all tempted. But it is a sin when we choose to do what's wrong instead of allowing God to work in us and work through us so that we might do what's right. And so it's important that we pray that the Lord keeps us from temptation. Because I in this flesh and you in, in the flesh that you're in, we all can fall and we do fall. And so we realize who we are what we need God to do. And we trust Him to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. We sometimes call this the Lord's Prayer. I don't really believe this to be the Lord's Prayer. I think the Lord's Prayer is in John chapter 17. When Jesus prays for the church. Prays for us that are believers today. I believe this to be the model prayer for the disciples, our prayer. And even though we don't have to recite this prayer every time we pray, this ought to be our model. We ought to first of all realize who God is and reverence Him. Realize what we need and ask Him for it. Be dependent upon the Lord. And then realize who we are and trust God to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. I'm going to tell you there's power in prayer. And we as the people of God need to be praying. We forfeit the peace of God that was purchased by the Lord Jesus when we choose to worry instead of pray. We lose the joy of the Lord that we all can have if we're uh, children of God when we choose to wallow in doubt, discouragement, and fear and not give everything to the Lord through prayer. We certainly need a personal relationship with Jesus. But number two, we need to pray continually. How do we pray? Well, Jesus showed us right here in His Word, didn't He? Let's do what He says. Everybody stand together.